Welcome to Discovering Spirit Within. This is Reverend Deborah Phillips coming to you from Spiritual Life Center in Sacramento, California. Today I have a little bit of a different offering. At Spiritual Life Center, I have a friend and colleague named Patty Peters. Patty Peters has been at SLC for about four years, and we have recently gotten to know each other because she is a volunteer and she assists me in a lot of things. We are discovering that even though we started our spiritual journeys from completely different foundations and time frames are very different, I've been in this teaching a lot longer than she has, we have in many ways taken very, very similar paths to our spiritual expansion. And so I offer this conversation. It was recorded on video because it was done at church, and so you can find it on YouTube, but a lot of people like to just listen to the audio, like when you're gardening or something. So I offer this to you today as just an insight into how two people who never even really knew each other somehow eventually came together in a deep spiritual connection. During this conversation, Patty and I learned a lot more about each other, and we had such a great time, so I hope you enjoy it too. Let's listen to The Path to Spirituality. So I am really honored tonight to invite someone to the platform who I've been working with for a few years. It's kind of hard to tell because we've all lost track of time because of COVID, but um, she's really, uh, I call, she calls herself my lovely assistant, so she's my LA. Um, but there's so many things we do together. She's taken over doing our altars for Sundays and Wednesdays if we have them. And we've also discovered that we have similar yet different, but then again, similar spiritual path that we've been walking. So I wanted us to just have a conversation tonight. And I'm not gonna do talk any more about her because we'll learn more about Patty as she comes here. Patty Peters. Welcome, Patty, and thank you for stepping outside your comfort zone. Thank you, Deborah, for inviting me. I think your comfort zone is somewhere like down in Modesto right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, I think a good place to start might be for us to each talk a little bit about what our early uh, spiritual experience was. Did you, did you, you didn't grow up in church, did you, or did no, you? No, not really at all. What was, what, what was well, your life like well, when you were a kid then? My dad was Catholic and uh, not really a practicing Catholic. Um, but for some reason, he took me and my brother to Catholic church a few times. And at that time, it was in Latin. And I mean, it's hard enough for a kid to be in church if they can understand the words. But when you don't understand the words, I didn't get anything out of it. And... I did go to um, school. I was older than the other kids, though, so that already made me feel more uncomfortable. I think I was about two years older than the other kids going to catechism, and I had my first communion. And I think that was the last time I went to an organized church um, through high school. Did you have any kind of relationship with spiritual something? Did you believe in God, or did you have any, I, I mean, was there anything there, I guess, I guess is a question. You know, I, I think I thought that there was a God, but the God that I was taught of was, you know, the God in the sky, the white man with the white beard on the throne, and a very punishing God. And um, one of the things that I remembered hearing from the nuns when I was in catechism was... Um, about going to confession was that if you didn't tell everything that you knew that you had done wrong, that you would be punished. And so I was literally terrified, and I remember being in a confessional. Do you go to confessional when you're a kid like that? But I remember being terrified that I was going to miss something and I was going to be eternally punished by this God who scared the heck out of me. <laughs> or the hell into you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so well, what my, I was raised in 
the Episcopal Church, they sent me to the Methodist Church, and I know I've told this story before, um, and all I remember about the Methodist Church is they tried to bore me to death because all we did was color pictures of Jesus. <laughs> and so when we moved to the Episcopal Church when I was about seven or eight, I refused to go to Sunday school. And my mother said, well, first of all, you're going to hurt the teacher's feelings. And I said, I don't care. I'm not going to Sunday school. I'm not coloring any more pictures of Jesus. And then the other part was, is she said, you have to sit very quietly. And I was happy to do that because I loved the liturgy. I loved, but we did English, for one thing. The Episcopalians were doing English. And I felt something. I, I, I just had that early connection. And so I felt something. And I was in the Episcopal Church all the way through high school. And then some things happened that turned me off from that. But I, I've always had my, some sort of connection. And then things got, you know, my life changed and put me on a path which is where ours start to, how old were you when you started finally finding some sort of spiritual connection? Well, really, really when I was um, around 30 and what happened at that time, and I did believe in God and I had some kind of connection and I went to like a Christian church a few times, but, I never found a church to call home. And what happened to me when I was about 30 was um, I realized uh, due to getting in trouble at work, and that's a whole other story for another day, um, I, um, I went to uh, get sober. And what happened, which before I ever got sober, where I had a belief in God was what happened was this. Um, I was forced to go to some meetings to keep my job, and I heard something that made me realize I wanted to get sober, but I couldn't do it on my own. So I wanted to go to a treatment center. Well, my, then my former husband, Bruce, and I had been paying a Chapter 13 bankruptcy. And the difference between a regular bankruptcy and that is that you had to pay the money back. Um, and so we paid $387 a month for a few years. Now, in July of this year, we made the last payment. And when you want to get sober, you don't want to wait. You want to go now before you change your mind. So I called the bank to see about getting a loan. And they said, I told them what it was for. I was honest. And... They said they would get back to me. And of course, I'm thinking it's gonna be a couple of weeks. And they called me back within 10 minutes and said they would give me the loan under one condition, that I paid it back in one year. And the amount of that loan was $387 a month. Not one penny more, not one penny less, the exact amount that we'd been paying that the exact same amount, and at that moment, I knew there was a God, and I knew I was going to be okay, and that started my journey with believing in, really believing in a God. Wow. Okay, I think we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you went through, you, you went through, you, you got into a program, and you worked, and, um, but you didn't come to Unity for a long time, did you? When did you find Unity? I didn't find unity till about five years ago. And so, I, yes, I, I went to AA. That was my 12-step program. And I um, found a God, and I, I did the steps, and I found a whole new way of life. But then somehow I drifted away. And even though I still had a God, I, um, I, I met a man... <laughs> And he was involved, he wanted to get into Kabbalah, which is a wonderful tradition. Uh, but unfortunately for us, we got involved in a cult and we didn't realize it right away. And so for uh, about two years, um, we went to this group and it was wonderful at first, but then all of a sudden we learned tarot and astrology and wonderful things all combined in the Kabbalah. And it is a wonderful tradition. Let me just make, sh make that perfectly clear. But we realized it was a cult we were involved in and so we left. And so we decided we would try different churches until one stuck, I guess. And, um, tried that for a while, but 
Um, I did find one church, a uh, Christian church, uh, called The Warehouse out in Rancho, and I really liked it. But the problem was, for me, I hope it's okay to say, but I, um, I could not abide that I believe that, you know, religion is geographically based, okay? That's just the truth of things, mostly. You, you grow up in a certain locale and, you know, you're Muslim or Hindu or you, you practice, you know, Christianity. And I didn't think that was fair or right that Jesus was the only way to God if you were born somewhere that didn't practice Christianity. And the other thing was um, the fact that they were espousing love, 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 but yet homosexuality was a sin. And I just, I just, I can remember one Sunday at church and um, being in there and thinking, I come to church and I'm leaving church, and I'm not homosexual, so that wasn't it. I wasn't feeling bad about myself in that way, but I left church feeling worse than when I went there, and I thought, this is not, this is not, this is not right. <laughs> I think you felt like it wasn't right. <laughs> That's right, I did. And a friend of mine at church was talking about this place that she had been coming, and I, she, um, it took me a while to realize she was talking about going to a church or a spiritual place, and she brought me here five years ago. And um, from the very first time I came here to hearing the welcome song and the, just the different energy of any church I'd ever been in before, um, and I love the peace song at the end and everything in between. Um, and whereas the other churches I'd been to, I most times had to force myself to go. And I never did go real regular. That's the truth. Um, but I never had to make myself come here since I started, with very few exceptions. The only time I haven't come on a Sunday is when I was out of town. So um, that's how much unity got me and this, this spiritual place right here, Spiritual Life Center in particular. Okay, so that was, that's how you got to here. And so we need to go back to where... So I spent about 10 years or so unchurched. I couldn't go to the Episcopal Church. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to be married to this guy, and you know, what, all that stuff. Life was happening. I was in my twenties, and um, so there was. I was married, and there was this other couple that we spent time with, and we were going to go up. We were in Arizona, and we were going to go up to the mountains to get a Christmas tree. And the morning that we were supposed to go, my husband decided he didn't want to go. Now, we were living hand to mouth. We never got to go anywhere. We didn't have enough money to like walk out the door. And so, you know, this was going to be a really special treat. And I was in tears. And then I heard this voice that say, if you don't go, you'll never see Judy and Dick again. And I thought, I didn't think much of it. So I finally talked him into going. So we went up and we got the, the, um, we got the tree and it was on the top of his car and we had stopped and gotten hot chocolate and we were heading down down the mountain and it was a, a divided highway, little two lanes each way. And we got behind this white, I think it was a Chevy, and they had a, a tree uh, wrapped up in a sheet in the trunk. And we were, and it was hanging out and we were making, we were in our 20s, we we're making jokes about, you know, dead bodies and things, you know, just whatever. And then we were behind this guy and who was behind another car and who kept thinking he was gonna change lanes and move and pass it, and he didn't. So Dick, who was the, the other couple's Dick and Judy, and so he pulls into the left lane to pass this white car, and I'm sitting in the back of this Bronco when I look down, and that car just started coming right at us. He just changed lanes, and he hit us, and we went sideways, and I thought, okay, he's gonna straighten out, and he kept coming, and he hit us again. And I remember watching Dick driving just, I remember the, the, that wheel just spinning as he was trying to control the vehicle. And we stopped at an angle like this. 
Now this is one of the quietest men I've ever known. And we stopped and he looked at his wife and he said, get out. And she looked at him and he screamed at her, he yelled at her, get out. And she was so startled, she got out. I got out, my husband got out and Dick got out and I walked over, it was straight down. And if we hadn't been in the back of that Bronco, it would have gone over. So I went home and um, again, my life was, I was like at one of the lowest points financially and emotionally in my life. I managed to do it without alcohol, but I got there anyway. <laughs> and um, you know, and I started looking, and this is great because Ann Roach tells a story about looking in the yellow pages for a church. I looked in the yellow pages for a church. And I thought, well, maybe I could try the Baptist. No, I don't think so. That just isn't going to work. And I, I looked, and there was this advertisement for this little church. I don't even remember the name of it. I thought, that sounds like that might be safe. And so I went to it. And it was kind of, you walked in, and I, you know, it felt like the carpet was this thick. And it was so quiet in there, and it was round. And the minute I put my foot in there, I knew I was home. Well, it was a metaphysical church. It was an independent New Thought church. And the minister was, um, he probably was in his 80s. I thought he was 107. Um, you know, he was, he was, we're talking elderly. And his wife had recently passed. And uh, so often, she was the mystic, and he was kind of the, 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 the practical guy. And we all went, and we would sit there, and everybody would sleep through his sermons. Um, he was the sweetest man. And about a month later, I found out that there was a Unity Church like five blocks away. And they said they teach the same thing. And so I go toddling over, and I'm 27 years old, 26 years old. I was so furious that nobody had ever told me about this stuff before. <laughs> I had heard of Daily Word. It had been all over my little town. And, you know, and of course, you know, most people come into this in their 30s and 40s and 50s. I'm 27 going, how come nobody told me about this? <laughs> And so I immediately knew I wanted to be a minister. Now this is where the story starts to converge with Patty. So I knew where I, I, knew where I, I belonged. And um, I didn't quite fit, partly because I was so young. The average age in that church at the time was 42, I think. And so I talked to, to the minister, Blaine Mays, who was the president of International Luthod Alliance. I mean, God put me with the, a mentor like you couldn't ask for. And he said, I'm not going to, first of all, I was in a bad marriage, I didn't have any money, I didn't have a degree, um, I didn't even know what I was doing every day, and here I'm saying, oh, I want to be a minister, and I, you know, go recommend me to a seminary. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said yes. I mean, I didn't list all that, but he knew, but he said yes to me. And he said, but I'm not going to recommend you to Unity uh, School, partly because there, there were politics going on. With, you know. And he said, but his mother had left Unity to become religious science so that she could train ministers in the field because she didn't believe that you should have to give up three years of your life to become a minister. So he sent me over to her. She did not like me. She did not want me in her class, but she took me. Oh my God, she was an awful teacher. <laughs> I learned more about teaching from her because she was such a terrible teacher. But the week before, a couple of weeks after I made that decision, I was in tears because I was leaving Unity and I knew it was so silly. And I went to Blaine and I said, I know it's silly. He said, Deborah, it's all the same thing. So I did three years of practitioner training with, in, at, in, in religious science. And then I left to go to Utah, and of course they didn't, there were two religious science churches at the time because they had an argument over flowers or something, <laughs> as only churches could do. And so there were two different, and, and so the one that I was part of, they didn't have it in Salt Lake City. And so I went up there and uh, for a couple of years, and I actually started a little organization, and I think if I had stuck with it, it would have done something, but I didn't know enough, you know? So then, then my life changed again, and I came back to Arizona, and then came to California, and it took me a long time to find church again, but it was 36 years before I was ordained. But let's go back to, I ended up studying religious science for three years. So Patty comes to me last year and says, I would love to do these things with you and for you, but these are my days I can't because I am 
taking some religious science, now known as science of mind, actually centers for spiritual living is what they're called now. Um, so um, I've, been, I've been studying science of mind for about a year, which is, is like Deborah's mentor told her, it's, it's, this, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. There's just a few little differences, but the, you know, the teaching's relatively the same. But what, okay, so Science of Mind, and that's actually the name of the textbook, and there's an actual right. textbook. So what, what took you over there? What was, what was, I know you had a friend who was part of it, but what, what attracted you to it? Well, um, my friend had said that she um, maybe needed a little more direction, um, and so she had heard about this online, it's a Zoom class um, from a teacher, um, back in Richmond, Virginia, um, named Dwight Smith, and I, um, he was a wonderful teacher, and he passed away about a month ago, um, and he affected a lot of lives. But the first, my first introduction to Science of Mind was online um, with just about a handful of us with a, being taught by Dwight Smith um, out of, right straight out of the 1926 Science of Mind book we read and then we discuss and um, and I loved it and I loved uh, I loved the small group um, and um, I love the science of the spiritual mind treatment is a five step prayer and it's a treatment they call it a treatment because part of it is it's like an affirmative prayer um, you um, act as if it's already been done. And that's what we teach here. Thoughts create our reality, and so they're very interconnected. And, and one of the differences is that, um, and I, I, is that the science of mind teaching is more structured than what we do. You know, I've always, <clears throat> I've always said that unity, un, new thought in general, but unity is very much a do-it-yourself um, proposition. Is it's like come to church, come, and and you know, we used to have a lot more structured classes. Um, now a lot, there are a lot of them online now, aren't they, Elaine? Yeah, you know, but we used to have, in, in the churches there used to be more structured classes, but even those, the way Unity teaches is it's like, here's the information, go work with it, do your own work. And that's great, but sometimes we need a little more structure. And so I think, and Patty and I talking about this, we've both found that I didn't realize until talking to Patty, even though this woman was just, I mean, trust me, you wouldn't, she couldn't teach you how to tie your shoes, okay. Um, <laughs> My being in that environment and reading all of those books that my 27, 28, 29-year-old brain, you know, could absorb on some level, I now, I, I understand now that I pull on that all the time. It was, it really put it into an incubator for me. And then in talking to Patty, it's like, oh yeah, I, I, I do know that. You know, and, but it's a, it's a different vocabulary. Ernest Holmes was the, the um, the Fillmores really stayed with Christianity. They, you know, they then they they tweaked it a little bit. Ernest Holmes stayed with Christianity or stayed with Jesus and the Christ, but he was trying to get as far away from the Presbyterians as he could. <laughs> he and 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 he really didn't want flowers or anything on the podium on the platform because he wanted to make sure people were only focusing on the mental those the mental science. Yeah. So, how would you? What, um, how has your your science of mind studies enhanced or affected your unity relationship? Well, do you know it, what I'm asking you? Because I'm, I don't know what I'm asking. I'm not sure. Okay, <laughs> then we're on the same page. All right. <laughs> well, it is enhanced it because um, I do like have some structure. And um, I have found um, at uh, um, found some in-person science of mind classes, and um, and I like the groups. I like the groups um, because I found that obviously, um, like Sunday service is wonderful. I highly encourage it. <laughs> um, but I like the small groups. Um, one of my favorite teachers, if I might say, is I like uh, Teresa Campos. When she's been here, she's done several classes. And um, one of the things that 
um, my mother had always said to me because I, I cry a lot and um, she always told me that that was a sign of weakness and made me, I bought into that for many years. And I was, it was during a class that Teresa was teaching and I don't know if it was astrology or what because we were in small groups and whatever the nature of the small group was, was I realized my crying is about compassion. It was not about being weak. And I had known for years, but it was, I had this like this aha moment in one of her classes. And um, the, the way that science of mine has helped me here is it's helped with my creativity in just everything, in just everything in my life. It, it has allowed me to realize to be more open um, to... You know, I'm 67 years old, so I was in my 60s when I was introduced to Unity because it was just five years ago. And, you know, I, I still feel I have a lot of life left. You know, I have a lot of life to give, a lot of, a lot of, um, I, I, I feel like I'm just beginning. It sounds maybe silly, but I feel like I'm just beginning. And it's wonderful. Well, we tend to live longer than, I mean, no, you, you, that's one of the reasons Unity Churches are filled with old people, because we're, we're just going to hang around, because we're, you know, we're healthier and we're happier, and, um, you know, I, I think this, this idea, I, I, that of going to different churches, even within, like just within the new thought, some people say, well, why are you leaving us? It's like, I'm just exploring different things. And I think it's really healthy to look into how other people are teaching what we teach. Because I know there was, there's, um, there's an organization called International Metaphysical Ministry. It is a, it is a for-profit group, but they teach, you can, you can go through uh, and do a program with them, and you can become ordained. It's a, <clears throat> it's a cell. It, it started out as a, um, a correspondence course back in the '60s, and he just kind of up, upgraded it as as he went along. And he he uh, started doing psychic research in the in the '50s and '60s, and then he did stuff with Unity. He read everything that anybody ever did, and um, I know somebody somebody turned me on to them because. After I was ordained, because the way I got ordained was I was sitting there listening to Jim Lee at Christ Unity one day, and I actually heard a voice that said, it's time, call Blaine and ask him to ordain you. I hadn't talked to Blaine in like 15 years. And I called him up and I said, this is what I've been doing, this is all the work I've done, these are the degrees I've got now, blah, blah. He said, come down, I'd love to ordain you. And then I realized that I'd never, I'd never had to write a paper, I'd never had to learn how to express all of this. And so <clears throat> someone recommended this group and I went through it and it helped me learn how to really you know, articulate what, what we teach. This other person who recommended it to me went through it too because they needed to have an ordination for the work they were doing. And they were so unity that they had, they struggled for several months because the vocabulary was different. You know, this guy, the, the uh, Dr. Masters who started this other program, um, he knew, I mean, he knew science of mind, he, he knew divine science, he knew unity, he knew all of those things, and he came up with his own vocabulary that spoke to people from any religion anywhere, and so people from all over the world studied from them, all over the world, because of the way he created his vocabulary, and he's saying exactly the same thing we are, and he even uses the Christ presence. But the, we, we get, I think, maybe, I, maybe we're having this conversation, Patty, because of the idea of getting stuck into one way of looking at things. I don't know. I'm not sure. We just knew that we needed to have this conversation. Well, and I appreciate you saying that because, you know, I did feel kind of funny. And I appreciate you saying that about going to Center for Spiritual Awareness, um, you know, um, because this is my home here. Um, but... What happened for me is I first started taking the uh, classes online, um, the class online with this core group of people, and then um, uh, an in-person science of mind class was coming up in this last January at CSA, and um, what that did for me because I've never been um, uh, I've never been good at sticking to like prayer and meditation, like a routine basis. But these classes that I've been taking, now they're, they're, 
you can take these classes to become a practitioner. And the practitioner is like the prayer chaplains here. Um, and um, they just pr pray in the specific science of mind way, which is a five-step prayer. And the first step is um, you realize that God is all there is. And um, two, you unify with God. And three, you realize that whatever it is that you're asking for has already been given. And then you give gratitude and thanks. And then you release it. And um, so it is a, it is a specific um, treatment. And um, so the first night of class, we get this binder, and I'm like, oh, this is legit, okay? <laughs> this binder is like thick, it's 10 weeks of class, maybe 12, and um, what that did is I wanted to study. If I'm gonna take a class, I'm gonna give it my all, and so it forced me in a way to read the Science of Mind book and then read the questions, all the pages, and do the homework and this and that, and pray and meditate, and that really helped me on my path, you know? And so um, I, I now pray and meditate on a regular basis because it started me, started me on that path, which I wasn't self-motivated enough to, to be steady on before. And most people aren't. I mean, I think, let, let's be real here, most people, you will find people who is like, oh yeah, I can go, I meditate every day for 30 minutes, and you know, people probably think I do that too, and that's just, you know, that's not how I operate either. Life happens, and so being a part of something that helps give you that structure is really helpful, especially when you first start. I remember way back, you know, when I was in my 20s trying to figure out how I was going to do what I was being called to do. And I was looking for a book on meditation and I pulled out this thin book by somebody, I'll remember his name later, of course. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, I don't need this book, I just need to do it. I bought the book anyway, I still have it. But I realized that, you know, it, there, the reading about meditation wasn't gonna accomplish that. So, Coming back to vocabulary, one of the things that flummoxed me for practically my entire time was the word realize. Realize that there is only God, realize that it is done. And I kept for years trying to figure out, how do I realize, how do I realize? Because that word didn't, didn't work for me somehow. You know, when I get into knowing, feeling, but one of the things with, with a lot of the early New Thought people was they were trying very hard to be scientific because it was a scientific time and they were just you know, trying to attract people and get them to think differently. That was the other part of it. Let's change the vocabulary and think differently. And unity is, has softer language in some respects. Um, the other, you know, they're, they're, they didn't try to be quite as scientific, uh, but they used must and need and have to. You must do this. You must change your mind. It was like they're all really pushy back then. <laughs> but I always remind myself, if you ever go back and read some of those books, is that this was a brand new idea to them. The, 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 they were teaching a completely unique, well, new, new to the people they were talking to, and so they, they were changing vocabulary on purpose, but does realize work for you? I have to use knowing or understand or feel, but does the word realize work for you? Well, I like the word knowing better, yes, but realize does work for me, but the knowing is better because to me, knowing comes from inside. You know, that's, that's what I think. And um, one of the things that I'm learning, which um, through all of this, is that I can change my thought at any time. You know, um, because sometimes I have found myself, you know, feeling a certain way and not liking it and kind of dwelling on it anyway. And knowing that I don't have to do that to myself, if you will, um, so I can change my thought at any time. You know, we talk a lot here about thoughts create our experience. It's one of our five principles. 
And sometimes, you know, I know I do, you read the principles um, and then you set them aside. But, you know, when I really stop and think about what I'm thinking and that I can change it, um, I, I lost my thought. You realize what's going on. <laughs> No, I mean, I, th that's what I was thinking as you were as you were saying that is that for me, the realization is the the part where I know I have to make a change. Then I can get into my knowing. Then I can get into my heart. Then I can then I can get with the flow of the spiritual energy. For me, realization is more. For me personally, realization is more intellectual, and then then it goes into that knowing. It's like oh. I've been thinking, really, no, I shouldn't be thinking this, this. This way of thinking is not getting me anywhere. And in fact, it's making me feel kind of sick to my stomach. And so, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to change it, and I change it. And like, oh, look what I've been doing to myself. That's the realization. Then I can drop into my heart. Is that? That's, ex that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, I used to not really think about... You know, I see people, and um, there's an example I'll use. Um, um, my husband and I met on a blind date. Um, somebody that I worked with and his wife, who worked for my husband, set us up on this blind date, and the four of us went out. And um, we were going to, at some point in the day, go to a meal. And this, these, this couple talked about the fact that they never got good service. Wherever they went, they never got good service. And I, you will think that I'm telling a fib, but I'm not. I am not. My husband and I got served our meal, and this couple is still waiting and waiting. You're going, I'm not making this up. We waited, and we were going to wait for them to obviously get their meal before we ate, and finally after some time, and the wait staff's coming, I'm so sorry, it'll be out soon. We were there for 45 minutes, and I swear to you, this couple never got their meal. And they asked if they wanted them to, I guess, box it up to go, and they said, never mind, but they ne it never made it to the table. And I didn't know then, I had an inkling that they were creating their own reality, but I didn't know it at the time. I couldn't put my finger on it. And, and I've seen people, and I'm, I'm guilty, I'm not saying I'm not, that, that you know, you think a certain way, oh, you know, something bad's gonna happen, and then something bad happens. And I mean, we all do that, but I, and I still do that, but I, I try to catch myself. I try to catch myself. And sometimes, like I said, I go down that road and I stay on that road because I want to feel bad. I'm in the mood. I want to put on a song that makes me like just even go further into that depression, you know? <laughs> so, anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I keep saying the thing I saw on Facebook. It says, "Was it a bad? Was it a bad day, or was it a bad five minutes that you milked all day?" <laughs> yeah, you know, I had a I had a friend who um, who was convinced that every single medical pr procedure she ever had or would have would be disastrous, and she would have a horrible reaction, and horrible things would happen, and she had many, many, many. Uh, medical treatments, and they all went disastrously wrong. She just, it was like, this is her absolute belief in that. And um, she taught me a lot about realization, about, about you know, I mean, I, already, I, I knew it too. I knew the, the philosophy behind it, but you really learn it when you watch people who bring it into their lives so thoroughly and completely. <laughs> So, you know, the, the blending of these two, these two particular teachings, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, we're only talking about these two because we've both experienced them, um, and I've also, you know, studied with Dr. Masters, Dr. Masters' material, and I've, of course, I've read Emma Curtis Hopkins and tried to dip into, and I haven't read everything everybody's ever written, I just dip into it and I get what I need, you know, from it and, and then go on to, to something else because I'm realizing no matter where I look now, they're saying exactly the same thing 
in different words. And then, so now I started paying attention to, all right, I've heard this three times, maybe they're talking to me. <laughs> maybe I should be looking at this thing <laughs> that keeps coming up in my face. <laughs> so, um, how do you, how do you, where are you in your internal relationship to spirit now? as compared to, say, when you were 30? Oh, there's no comparison. There's no comparison because, you know, I... Um, um, I, I, I really hate to sound like a broken record, but I really didn't have the in-deep, in indwelling relationship with God as I do now. Um, before I came to Spiritual Life Center. I just didn't. Um, I had some spirituality, and I had a belief in God, and I, I had a relationship, but not the way I do now. Um, and part of it is... I always thought that God was out there. I never understood that God was in me. I never understood that there was a Christ within me. Um, and, and I love that um, when I came to Unity, you know, I wasn't told that I had to accept this God or that God. That was the main thing. And so um, I, I learned this chant or mantra, whatever. Um, it's just four lines, and it really resonated with me. Um, there's only one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. And when I heard that for the first time, I fell in love with it. It just resonated with me. It may not with other people, but it did with me. And in the Science of Mind class, we learned about mala beads, which are 108 beads. And you say a mantra 108 times, which sounds pretty daunting at first. It sounds like it's going to go on forever. And so this first day, it was part of our lesson. I got these beads. Well, first I used toothpicks because I didn't have the beads. I counted out 108 toothpicks and did that one at a time. I swear I did. <laughs> So I did that, and <laughs> I said that um, that mantra, and it was one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done, and went straight from that into a meditation, and for me, personally, it was very fulfilling, and I felt the presence of God right there with me um, in an unbelievable way. Um, walking on air, I was walking on air, and later that day, I'm driving in the car, and I hear that song, Peaceful, Easy Feeling by the Eagles, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how I feel. I've got this peaceful, easy feeling. It was just wonderful. I, I had, it was just wonderful, and that was what really started me to, to do this practice every day, and, um, and so my relationship with God is, 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 you know, my relationship with myself, with the God inside me, is different than anything I ever had imagined in my life before. Well, I remember one of the, one of the privileges that I have as a minister is watching the lights go on for people. And uh, one of the, I have two remarkable experiences. One is when my Thursday morning group spent four months working on the Lord's Prayer, try, work, just talking about what it meant to them. And I had three people who were raised in the Church of Rome, um, and the, 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 uh, it was the Our Father, it wasn't even the Lord's Prayer, and it meant absolutely nothing to them because it was something that they had to simply repeat when they were kids. And as we spent that time, I thought we were going to go through this prayer in like three weeks. And we, end, we ended up spending a week on every single line and change. What does this word mean? And I started over that period of time seeing lights come on in the eyes of two of these people. And I remember, I still get chills thinking about that. It was such an honor to be part of help us watching them turn on their lights. And so 
there was a day that Patty came into my office, and I almost makes me want to cry, as she had just come in from doing one of your first 108, what are the, what are the beads called? Mala. Mala beads. And the look on your face and the look in your eyes and your entire presence, you were a, you were a changed person. And it, it's, it's like it's such an honor that you came to tell me. And, but the look of wonder on your face and in your eyes was absolutely remarkable. And I thank you for sharing that with me when you did, because, um, you know, and, and we all have those experiences. Um, sometimes they're really bigger. This is a big experience for you. Sometimes they're so small that we go, something happened. <laughs> but, you know, um, but the structure, the foundation, you know, we need a foundation for our spirituality. And even though I can say that this woman was, she, she was not a good teacher. She just sat there and talked to us, and we just had to write down everything she said for three years. She just talked to us, and I wrote down everything she said. And, um, but somehow, my subconscious took it in, and I had that foundation. And you've already mentioned this, so I think you're okay if we mention it again. You know, the 12-step program came from people who were involved in New Thought. And, uh, you know, Emma Curtis Hopkins taught, taught 12 lessons. This whole idea of 12, 12, 12 is, is, goes throughout. Uh, I think Ernest Holmes is one of the few who didn't put things into 12s. And he studied with Emma Curtis Hopkins. But um, that foundation, I'm wondering, is when you finally found unity, you found something familiar going from 12 to into what we teach, because there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. Yes. Well, and um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell on myself again, but the reason I personally drifted away from AA was because I quit smoking. And at that time, you could still smoke in meetings. And it was very difficult for me. And so I couldn't be in meetings because I, I couldn't be around it because... Um, I just couldn't be around it, so I kind of drifted away. I mean, I'm still sober, um, 37 years, so it's been a while. But, uh, <laughs> well, I just want you to know that I was still sober. <laughs> but, um, and so I am very grateful to my friend from work for bringing me here because, um, you know, I maybe probably would have found my way here eventually, but I just don't, don't know if it would have been to actually Spiritual Life Center, you know? Uh, I think, I really believe that we're guided to where we need to be. You know, I've, I was in Sacramento for, well, I've been here almost 40 years, and I've been at Spiritual Life Center for 10, and working here for six. It took a very long time, and I, I had a prayer. I had a mantra that just said, show me the place. It comes from a, a, a song that Leonard Cohen did, is show me the place. And I just finally realized I have got to have something. And Christ Unity... I, I, I was ordained while I was going to their prayer group. I wasn't part of their Sunday thing. And then, you know, Steve Smith said he'd help me get started, and then Jim Lee resigned. <laughs> and it's like, okay. And then I came over here a couple times, and it was like bouncing off of a mattress. It wasn't the right time, you know? And I somehow just kept hanging out. And then one day I came, and I found out Steve Smith was here, and he was here for a very short period of time. I believe he came here, waited for me, got me in here, and then he Because <laughs> clearly it was all about me. Um, but it was that little, that window. I walked in, and I was talking to him, and he said, well, we're going to start a book group, and we're going to start a prayer group. And Claire walked in behind him, and we knew each other from... Claire is in the group, for those of you who are not here. And we knew each other from the Episcopal Church. And she walked up behind me and she said, Deborah can do the book group. And he said, no, Deborah's thing is prayer. You're doing the book group. <laughs> and then Claire and I, you know, I came to the book group. And when she was gone, I would, you know, support her and whatever. But um, I wandered for a long time. I, and this is the only church, I swear, I have ever fit into ever, which tells you something about Spiritual Life Center. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, we both had a foundation for this kind of thinking before we came here. 
I thought maybe that's where, you know, and then I just found it so interesting that you started studying science of mind and you brought me that gift of reminding me how much I actually learned from studying it, but it was so long ago and so much in my 27-year-old, 28-year-old subconscious, but I use it all the time. I just translate it into unity terminology. Well, I don't, I don't use anybody's terminology that much, but yeah, you know. Um, so, the spiritual path is not straight, it is not something that you can predict, it's not something that you can, you can plan, but God will be sitting at the different kiosks along the way chuckling, right? Right, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, if you had, if you had planned it, would you have even thought of this? I mean, could you have even planned how you... No, 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 not even close. And I appreciate you, Deborah, being someone that I could talk to about going to another church and taking classes because I did feel funny bringing it up, you know. But they complement each other. It's not, it's not one over the other. It's one and the other, you know, so that you can have an abundance of whatever it is you're trying to learn, you know. Did you know that I had done a three-year program with... No. Oh, so you didn't no, even... When no. you came to me, you didn't know that. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I mean, so I, I just... I, what I love about this entire way of teaching is that the path... We, we get to see our path. We get to see how our paths converge. We get to find out more about each other in, in interesting ways, not just about, you know, how many times you've been married and what have you been through in your life. It's like, where, how did I get here, not from the physical, material point of view, but how did I get spiritually dragged into this? <laughs> because you can run, but you cannot hide when, when spirit calls. Right? Right. Do you have anything else to add, Patty? I just want to say that I'm... Um very um, um, blown away that I'm sitting up here with you tonight. And um, I, um, I'm just overcome with emotion for um, the love of God and the love of this community here. And um, I feel very blessed. I feel very blessed. So thank you for, for inviting me here tonight, Deborah. Well, thank you for coming up here. And you know... I, have, I was remembering the other day, five years ago, Patty was coming in and she was volunteering, and I was told that she wanted to really get to know me. And so we went to lunch, and Patty and I had absolutely nothing to talk about. Would you? <laughs> we just sat there and went, good food, how you been? I don't even know what we talked about. I don't either. <laughs> and then now we've got this. And so, I mean, it, it's like um, spirit, spirit takes, you know, if you allow spirit to work in and through you, this is what comes of it. Um, Patty and I work together in many different ways now, and uh, it's such an honor to have you as my friend and to work with you and to watch your spiritual growth. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you for listening today. Discovering Spirit Within is produced by Spiritual Life Center. If you enjoyed our discussion and feel inspired to support us, you can go to slcworld.org forward slash donate. And now, until we meet again, deep peace of the running wave to you, deep peace of the flowing air to you, deep peace of the quiet earth to you, deep peace of the shining stars to you, deep peace of the son and daughter of peace to you, and may the joys of the world go with you.